In episode 55 of Design EDU Today, Neil Ward, assistant professor of graphic design at Drake University, joins us to discuss collaborations with students in the art and design, computer science, and journalism departments at Drake to design and develop Android apps. Neil goes into details on logistically making the collaboration work for scheduling, matching students' skill levels across departments, and the benefits and pitfalls of the project overall. Neil also discusses how this project fits into the overall design program at Drake and where UX theory would best fit into a design program. Welcome to Design EDU Today, the podcast series discussing what is necessary to be a successful designer in a contemporary, screen-based, interactive world. I am your host, Gary Rosance, Assistant Professor of Graphic Design at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Today's guest is Neil Ward. Neil is an Assistant Professor of Graphic Design at Drake University. Neil received a BFA in Graphic Design from Sage College of Albany in 2007 and his Master's of Fine Arts degree with a concentration in graphic design from University of Tennessee, Knoxville in 2013. Before coming to Drake, he taught new media, typography, and web design at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, Illinois State University, and Heartland Community College. He has been principal of Neil Award Graphic Design since 2006 and has worked as a staff designer in marketing agencies pursuing a wide range of design projects. His professional experience includes print, publication, identity, and web design. All right, welcome, Neil. Hi, thanks for having me. Great. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to do this. I know school, the semester's just starting up for you, so you're busy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So... In episode 52, you very briefly mentioned a class where your graphic design students were working alongside computer science and journalism students to create an app. Can you discuss the collaboration in you know a broad sense? Sure, absolutely. Um, this was a class that was started back in 2011, 2012 as a collaboration between the computer science, journalism, and graphic design uh, departments and areas here at Drake University. And <clears throat> the, the whole idea of the class was to get mm, cross-disciplinary um, studies together and collaboration between the students and to give the students a, a kind of look into what their agency life might be or future workplace might be. Um, so throughout this class, um, and this is the eighth iteration of it, there's typically a four to five week intro where the computer science students are getting themselves up to speed with coding in the Android environment. And then journalism and design students are working together on um, developing ideas for an app or narrowing an idea down for an app, going through user testing, going through sitemaps and wireframes and mockups and discussing user flow and user experience. And then from there, we break them off into six groups. And each group has one design student, one journalism student, and three computer science students. So they go through two app projects. Um, the, the most current iteration of the class, uh, the first project, they had to create an app that promotes art, culture, or music in the Des Moines area. And the second app was creating an app that's based on a color. So they had to do a little bit of mind mapping and go a little bit in depth to find a problem to solve and to create an app from. Um, so anyway, like I said, the first four to five weeks, they're split and then they come together for that first app project 
and the design design journalism and CS students, they all work together on focusing down an idea. They all work on their site maps together. They all work on the wireframes together. And once that's done, then they split off. The computer science students begin developing in the Android environment. And then the design students and the journalism students start working through personas. They start working through mockups. They start working through style tiles and user testing. And then at the end, they all come together for a final pitch. And they pitch their app ideas to the class along with professionals that are out in the local Des Moines area. And then there's a Q&A session at the end where the professionals get to ask students about their choices, if they had thought of any different ways of doing things or additions for version two. <laughs> so, so that's pretty much the, the class in a nutshell. <laughs> Well, before I get into the other questions, I have two curiosities. Um, the first one is why Android? Why not iOS? That is a great question. <laughs> the class started in the iOS, started with iOS. And over the years, iOS is a more difficult environment to code in. And at one point during this class, the students were developing for iOS and Android, and that turned out to be a, a lot of work, and the apps didn't come to fruition because of that. So they backed off and just operated in the, or developed in the Android environment. Okay, so that makes sense, because I knew it had to be a pedagogical reason why they were always leaning towards Android. And because, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's all. And um, the other follow up question again, and you probably don't have the, the direct answer to this, but it's interesting, the ratios. Um, so doing this podcast, it's usually you know, the, there are more developers than there are designers. And I've and I and I'm thinking of like when you're visualing visual design, having a bunch of designers together is you know it could there, there's a point where it's too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> and so I'm just curious, did that do you did you see that happening with you know having multiple computer science students working on the project, working on the team? I actually did not see a lot of that happening. They were very, very good at collaborating and dividing and conquering the work. Okay. Yeah, I don't know enough about, you know, programming at, at that level to, to, to understand how you would conquer and divide on that, but we don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's possible, and that's all that it needs to, we need to know. Yes. All right, so... I love the idea of graphic design, journalism, and computer science students collaborating on projects. I mean, you even kick it up a notch by uh, by throwing in journalism, because I've seen this done a couple other times, but it's just mostly computer sciences and graphic design. But anyway, um, so however, from a logistical standpoint, how do you manage to get a group of students from three different departments in the room at the same time without, you know, overtaxing yourself as an educator, you know, so you have to meet it off times and, and for the students as well. So that I am sure at the beginning of this uh, brainchild or at the beginning of this course, it might have been an issue filling these courses. But as time has gone by, mm -hmm. The students really, really want to get into this course to further their interactive knowledge. So typically there is a wait list of two to three students for this course in journalism and in design. And unfortunately, students don't drop this course, or at least journalism and design students don't drop this course. So there's no, there hasn't been an opportunity <laughs> for those who are waitlisted to get in. And part of this course is finding those design students who are really invested. 
So these are students that really, really want to learn more about interactive uh, development and they want to know more about app design and they're driven to be a part of this course. And if we don't have that motivation behind a student, then that kind of, it kind of falls apart pretty quickly. As far as scheduling goes, we have pretty much two, two different classifications here, to my knowledge, for classes and their studio and lecture. And journalism, computer science, and graphic design, we all have lecture courses that run an hour and 15 minutes. So we were able to figure out a time when all three courses could meet. Now, it is a very limited time, so we're kind of, we're touching base with them quite quickly during class, and they're doing a lot of work outside of class, so it's kind of like a flipped classroom. Um, and then overtaxing ourselves. <laughs> the the really nice thing about this course is that there is a design professor, journalism professor, and a computer science professor that teach this course. So the three of us go around and we talk with the groups about their progress and if they have any questions, which has been really, really nice to kind of go at it at a united front rather than doing it individually. So how many graphic design students um, do you have in your section? I have six. Okay. And is that a normal class size or is this kind of like an exception? No, no, that is the normal class size. So we design has six students. Journalism has six. And then computer science has 18. So altogether, it's almost 30 students. Yeah, in the class. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So this is, a, this is a note to the deans and department chairs out there. So it sounds like this is something that, you know, in the first couple of years, when you start this, you're probably not going to have the numbers that you really want. It's not until it starts getting rolling and it starts getting a buzz around, you know, the students that, you know, people will then be excited about it and you'll, the enrollment issues will kind of fade away. So, all right. Um, another thing that I have trouble wrapping my head around is syncing up design students who are far enough along in the graphic design program to have the necessary visual design skills to work alongside the developers. So how do you get the pairing of the right skill sets? <laughs> well, most of the design students that are in this course are seniors in graphic design. And most of them have had web design one here or they're currently taking web design while they're taking app design. And that seems to, that seems to play off one another really well. Um, and then as far as pairing the students in more in a, a broad sense, as we have been interacting with the students in our courses, each professor knows the strengths and weaknesses of the students. Mm -hmm. So, the professors, we all get together and then we decide the groups that are going to happen for each app project and then go from there on that. This is a bit of an aside that I didn't think to ask until just now. <laughs> but um, when it comes to the visual design, iOS has some like pre-built stuff. You know, f there's like certain interactions that are just like kind of pre-canned that you can't really change. Is Android the same way? Like you have to pick their scroller, you have to do, uh, or is it kind of, can the design students just like whatever the heck they imagine the developers can use? Well, so a good question, one. Um, we have been, this year in particular, we have been using material design standards for the visuals and that has helped a lot with the students. So they're not coming up with their own buttons. They're not coming up with their own 
uh, cards on screen. They're all pre-built. And this year I purchased a UI kit for Android. So they were able to pull those elements and then focus more on the imagery that they're including, focus more on the typefaces, the colors, and the experience rather than these UI elements. And earlier in the semester, those first four to five weeks where everybody's getting up to speed, we hand out Android tablets to the students and tell them to use it for a week to get used to all the interactions, the animations, the look, the feel, and what an Android user would expect to encounter when they're using the platform. Ah, that's a good idea. There's, there, there's also kind of like similar um, advice for web design that you should be using a different web browser each week just because they do have their own subtle differences in how they display things and you know, some of their own built-in, how they render stuff. Um, so following up on that, this is another thing that I've never really thought about is what's the visual design deliverable? Or what do they hand off to the developer? And in what format? Is it Sketch? Is it Photoshop? Yes. <laughs> so the... Designers, they use the Material Design UI kit for Android, and they're typically using that in Photoshop. There was a, there were a few students that used Adobe XD to create their mockups, and the developers, when they got to a point where they could incorporate visuals, the design students exported the buttons or exported images in the format that the developers needed. So there, we had to remind students that there was a lot of communication that needed to happen throughout this project. So at the point where they're splitting off after wireframes and sitemaps have been completed, they still need to collaborate. They still need to talk to one another and ask, what do you need? What format do you need? How do I provide that to you? What's the best way to provide that to you? So it was really a great collaboration and communication experience for them to kind of get through that. Um, so the final deliverables for the computer science students was a working app. It may not have been uploaded to the uh, Google Play Store, but it was a working app. And then for the design students, we made them put all of their screens into InVision mm -hmm. and have one user flow documented in InVision. So you could really get the, the look and the feel of the app, mm -hmm. get the idea of what the app is for, uh, but there's, there was just no back end to it on InVision. <laughs> okay, so it's frustrating um, because most graphic design programs have one or two interactive design courses that need to cover web design, app design, which, you know, we've just just said there's a different parameters for designing for an app than there is for a website. And then there's, you know, we've got to cover user experience and we're doing it all in these two courses. And the rest of them are usually dedicated to print. So with you dedicating one of those like limited, you know, courses to that's entirely dedicated to a collaboration like this, students potentially could lose out on, you know, learning how to refine visual design. So like what benefits does like this collaboration have that makes up for, you know, like what that time that they could be doing something, learning something else in this overcrowded curriculum, I guess. Well, I don't think it I don't think it fills in for gaps in their education. I think the app design course it builds on it. So our students here if they're in the BA program or the BFA program, they're required to take web design no matter what. Um, and then app design is an elective and we also have an advanced web design course here as well. So the, the idea is that they would take web design, then app design, then advanced web to cover all of these skills 
that are needed when they go out into the workplace. Now, on the flip side of it, being able to collaborate and understand what other team members would need when developing an app, if students aren't able to get into this app course, they do they do miss out on that experience, uh, which is a, a bit of a shame. So they kind of miss out on that if they're not in the course, but that makes it more of an exclusive course and more of a wanted course. Uh, but these that collaboration is really important for those that want to go into an interactive career. And not all students want to do that. I still I still find that there's, hmm, I want to say like maybe four or five students out of 12 or 15 that want nothing to do with web still <laughs> or interactive design, uh, which is a very needed skill set these days or now in the uh, fields. But it's okay. So another aside. So you've got students that just like, no, we just want to do print. Um, is that a real, is that realistic for them? Do you think? I mean, maybe it's regional, but I know in, in Baltimore that that's just not a, that's just not a reality that, you know, they're going to be doing something print only unless, you know, they get to like the senior art director level. I feel that it is very unrealistic to stick to just print. Um, as the students go through the curriculum here, we try our best to inject interactive work into our print design courses so that they, they have that experience. And even in our practicum course, when we start pulling up job descriptions or job positions in there, Every single one of them have HTML, CSS, UX as job requirements. So however much I can or however much I tell them <laughs> that they need to have interactive skills and experience behind them, it, it for some students, it just they still stay the course on print and that's something that the, the industry will sort that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you've got to be a, there's, those are few and far between, and you have got to be, have some phenomenal chops to, to, to create a niche for yourself like that. Um, one thing you just mentioned is that you said that you put some interactive projects into your print courses. So I actually like that idea better than having like a siloed, curriculum where here's print, here's web, uh, or interactive, however you want to define it. And I mm -hmm. like the idea of like, when you're teaching typography, here's a, here's a grid and how you print it out. And this is how that grid's going to behave on a website. <laughs> so how, how do you do that? I mean, how, so what are some of the, can you give us examples of like that cross pollination or that whatever you want to term it? Sure. Um, so one of our courses here, Forming Concept, in that course, they have to animate, I believe it's a letter form. So they're taking a, they're taking something very two dimensional and they're going right into 4D with it, <laughs> which helps them think that way. This coming spring semester, one of my colleagues is going to be incorporating an animated poster into their course. And from where I think it was at CCAC conference this year, there was a presentation on animated posters. And even that has got, has gained traction out in the social sphere. So I think that could be a really fun project for that. Um, just for the, the listeners that weren't at the CCAC conference, I, I wish I could remember who it was, but the, basically their presentation was they are, there are now such things as like movie posters that when you, that are, but they're, since they're being, per, you know, on screens now, that means they can have animations in them. And so it's a new print posters have found a new medium and it's it's animated posters so it, it's worth checking out animated movie posters google it 
um, for everybody. Um, last year in our senior level elective course, Context and Process, I did a lot of image making experiments with my students. So using only torn paper and the copy machine to come up with an image, using three-dimensional uh, material to come up with an object. And then based on those experiments, they had to create a 30-second animated looping video that had to do with biking, so whether that was commuter or recreational. So they had to use bits and pieces from their image-making experiments to then apply in their animation. So that was another way that we've been including interactive work and time-based work kind of without them knowing, but them knowing. <laughs> but I don't think that the label of interactive work is associated with that. It, I think it was more from the student perspective, oh, we're just making a movie. So this is another question that unscripted, so I, if I, sorry if I throw you for a loop, but um, it has to do, okay, so with the app design course, you are introducing user experience design and user research and user testing and all these like these basic principles, correct? Correct. So uh, in my in the last episode, um, it, it just from the national conversation, it, you know, we kind of came this like idea of like that user experience that they learn at the senior level would be applicable literally all the way down to the freshman level, but, you know, we'll say sophomore level for any number of courses. I mean, it, it could be used, that same methodology could be used in print design. It could be used in web, app, whatever. And so I'm just kind of curious, why do we introduce user experience as a senior level skill when in reality, it, it's really a foundation level skill of all the design disciplines. You know, I agree with you completely. I, I want to say the reason why it's introduced so late is because the first, for here at Drake anyway, the first year is our, our students going through the art foundation program. And then from there, then they go into their respective discipline. So that'd be their sophomore. And then usually between sophomore junior year is when they take web design with me. And in that course, I focus on user experience. It's one of the first projects we do in that course. And it's kind of it's centered around a nurse intake form. So when a nurse is taking your blood pressure, your vitals, and then asking you about your family history and whatnot. The, the students have to create a form for a nurse at that moment in time. So we really dive into the issues of what are the needs of the nurse? What are the needs of the patient? How is the nurse communicating with the patient? And how easily is the nurse able to input all the information into the form? So we get, we get really deep into the user experience and, you know, what better than this shared experience we all have going to the doctor? <laughs> so they, they have that knowledge in their sophomore, junior year for web design. And then that trickles over into the app design and advanced web. But generally speaking, I do agree with you that user experience should definitely be part of a foundations program. But during the foundations program or foundational years, they're learning these principles of art and design. They're learning how to create a composition. They're learning about loading form and meaning. They're learning about grids and typography. And I, I, I don't know if adding user experience in there would just really scramble them further or if it would help. So maybe, I, I mean, maybe the first year isn't the best place for that. But the the second like sophomore junior year i think is you know the perfect time to introduce that yeah and and i think that's what i meant when i made so yeah I, that's kind of what i referred to what i meant by foundation because you know most 
universities for your universities have that like you said that freshman foundations that's untouchable <laughs> that that is going to be what it is in in design areas have absolutely no authorship over that so but we do have authorship over like what's the what courses do they take their first their first semester their sophomore year and i'm just like what a what yeah. a ux course that is you know media independent be more beneficial there than than you know like sneaking it in later on i don't know it's just something that popped into my head i wanted to follow up with one other question i love the idea of the of of designing a nurse intake form because i've seen them you know i've peeked out the corner of my eye when i'm in there at the you know for my doctor's appointment at that form where did you get the form so you knew what to you know how did you find out like what information they they need to collect and all that stuff so that came from personal experience of course and then i have i have friends who are in the medical field okay and i have some nurse friends in the medical field and i just i just ask them so okay. what what type of information do you do you need to collect and how easy is it to do that right now <laughs> um so I, they gave me a form of sample questions, Oh, great! which was really, really helpful. As we get into the classroom and as we start, as I start engaging with the students as to, you know, what questions do we, do we need to bring up between the nurse and the patient? And there's been some really, really interesting conversations that have, that have come out of that. So some questions have gone towards the area of what religion are you? Because there are some medical restrictions there. Um, also, there are questions about um, LGBT health. Mm -hmm. So, which is something that is really, has really um, had a lot of focus lately. <laughs> <laughs> which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so the, these questions that I wouldn't normally have thought of in conjunction with the, the form that I was given and then the chat with the students, <clears throat> it, it just, it, it goes into directions that I wouldn't have thought of. And I really enjoy that the students are, are thinking that broadly about patient care, number one, and thinking about that interaction between the nurse and the patient, and then how that information is being relayed to a third party for insurance billing or for the doctor or for whomever. So uh, another follow-up question on that um, is I've been, again, thinking a lot lately. So a project like that, I don't care how good of a designer, visual designer you are, a form is a form. There's only so visually interesting you can make it. But that is a powerful you know, project that really shows, you know, like depth of thought. I mean, it, it shows a lot. So how do you get students to like display that in their portfolio? So it, you know, that an a potential employer will look at that and like really appreciate what went into that project. I am currently trying to figure that out. Huh. So this past fall, I taught our portfolio prep here at Drake and some students had that in their portfolios and the, the feedback from outside reviewers were, it's not a, it's a form. <laughs> it's a one page form. So there's not really a lot of meat to it. So I think in the future, I'm going to have to tell my students that they should include this in their portfolio, but it needs to be framed as more of a user experience case study rather than here's a project I did in web design. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause I, I also, uh, taught a, it wasn't a collaborative, but you know, the interactive course where they, you know, we discuss app design, usability, create personas and all that kind of stuff. And the project the student ended up coming up with was an app. Oh, it was directions, I think, 
for blind people <laughs> um, or people who are have difficulty seeing. And so like the apps, you know, it's huge buttons. It's really simple, easy to see colors. And so the the design is there's there's no way to make it look fantastic. And and that's what she ended up doing is like, you know, making it into a case study where the like the like the first image on their visual on their online portfolio is a blind person crossing the street. <laughs> and then it goes, <laughs> it, you know, to get, you know, the, the imagery to draw in the user. I mean, draw in the, you know, the person who's hiring it. Then it goes into like the case study of like what they did, how they got there and, you know, what the last screens at the bottom or what it looks like. <laughs> but that's really difficult though to to make that that process you know that process that's more important than the outcome to make it center yes very <laughs> and and then i know people you know students are still i mean actually i don't know i haven't talked to to um hiring you know firms and or, or whatnot but I'm assuming the expectation is that you're still going to show up with some kind of some kind of you're going to have something to share visually at the interview. So, you know, what does that look like in that context when you're no longer online, but live and in person? Mm -hmm. Since you taught the course, did you think about that at all? Like, you know, what kind of what materials should they be taking to an interview? Is this in reference to the app design course or the nurse form or just in general? In general, in general. But yeah, those two. Yes, I have. And teaching, again, teaching the portfolio prep course this past fall gave me a really good overview of our program and the projects that students have in their portfolios to show to potential employers. And Unless a student is really confident and knows what job they want after, because we have a we have a handful of students who are double majors in magazines or advertising and graphic design. So there were a few students that were very focused on going into the magazine industry. So for them, their portfolios were centered around that pretty much. But for those students who just wanted a job or just want to go out there and, you know, start working there, there was a balance that had to be that had to be shown in their portfolio between print, between branding, between interactive, between all of these different areas. So thinking about the end result, if you will, in app design having that envision project put together where a student could post that to their website and a potential employer could actually click through the app and see what it was all about. I mean, that's, that's really important that that visual and in terms of other projects that we do here, it's really important to frame, to frame the visual effectively so like we were just talking about the nurse form, you know, it, it is a form <laughs> and there was a lot more to that form. It was an exercise in user experience and this was the outcome, but there was so much more to it. But the, the problem there is how do you document that process? <laughs> how do you document the, the thought process of jotting down what items you were thinking about and then how that makes it into the final visual. I mean, that's not, that's not too compelling unless you're in person and you're speaking passionately about it to a potential employer, then it's really engaging. So some projects I've encouraged students to not include on their website, but include in their print portfolio to kind of bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. It just, it depends on, it depends on the student. It depends on their body of work and whatnot. Um, but we, we definitely try to give the students a solid, well-rounded portfolio when they leave here, unless, again, they have a very focused idea of what they want to do when they leave here. So um, getting back on the, on the regular line of questioning, so now that you've completed the semester-long app project, 
Um, what are some of the insights or lessons learned that you would never have thought of if not having that experience teaching with the three different disciplines? You know, it, it ranges. So I was pleasantly surprised at how much the students loved the cross-disciplinary collaboration. I mean, they really enjoyed meeting students from other disciplines and working with them and having the experience of working through that development process with them and, you know, learning that there is vocabulary that they share, <laughs> but the definition is completely different. <laughs> mm-hmm. And for me personally, it was really insightful to see other professors teach. So unless I ask another professor to sit in their course and watch them teach, I don't really get to see how another professor teaches their course. And doing that is only one day. Whereas throughout this course, I was with two other professors for a whole semester. So I was able to see how they guide students to an answer without giving them the answer (laughs) and seeing how other professors deal with ideas that maybe aren't great or maybe aren't the best that the student has at the moment and then seeing how other professors kind of push those students to produce more and and the, the biggest um, takeaway for me was learning when to just let the student figure it out. <laughs> so when a student is grappling with a, with a problem or an issue or not even a problem or an issue, but more of a question, like, do we do this or do we do that? I don't know. And then they look to us for the answer and we reply with a question, which then they give us a question back. And we give them a question. And then at a certain point, it's like, well, you either have to do more user research, you either have to do more market research, you either have to do some A-B testing, like you have to work through this. We can't give you the answer for this. You have to give the answer. So it was really, for me personally, teaching in the classroom and improving those methods, it really helped being in the presence of other professors and seeing how they teach. No, and doing this course again, I feel like it went pretty well this past semester. The one thing that I would change is earlier in that four to five week intro time, I probably would have gone over the material design standards a little more in depth with them Mm -hmm. and how that uh, UI template, how to use that and how to use that with Photoshop or how to use that with Adobe XD. Um, I think that would that would prepare them a little bit more, but they they still figured it out, which was really really great to see. I am shocked that how much programs rely on teaching software, when in the reality is you just the students will figure that stuff out on their own quick. You just need to give them the little nudge over the hump and just like point out some of the you know the power tools. <laughs> or things like that. <laughs> yes. The, the rest, they'll get it on their own. Um, it's, they always do. But I, one thing I wanted to point out, and, and I think this, the fact that the students liked the collaboration in that class, I think you need to take some enormous amount of credit for that because most of the time when I've heard of other collaborations between departments, it, it, it sounds like it's a train wreck and the students ended up hating working with each other. <laughs> so I think this, the fact that, if, if the students enjoyed it, that says something about the people who were teaching it. <laughs> so, well, thank you. I mean, kudos. I, I <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I feel like it was, we, all three of us had a very good working relationship and we all had really good rapports with our students. So I think that that had a lot to do with the environment too, but yeah, this is a new question. I just, wanted to throw at you um and, it, and it, this is selfishly just for me <laughs> but okay this, this semester my uh, my design students in my web design course are 
each semester I have them redesign a website and I have a faux client come in and, you know, so they could kind of like do the interview, the client and things like that. So this semester I found a developer who is using publicly available bus tracking data of for to create a website where you can like find out what time the bus is coming. Um, and this is going to be, and he's specifically doing it for, you know, um, he's using the Baltimore bus system, but the developer is located in Dublin, Ireland. So since now I'm going to have designers working with a developer and, but I'm going to be doing this remotely. I'm just wondering if like, if there's any kind of suggestions that you would have for like things to look out for, um, things that I should be thinking of that I'm, you know, just based on the fact that you've already done this like collaboration. Ooh. Uh, so I've never done an international collaboration. <laughs> yeah. But it's the same thing. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say the biggest things are to have a schedule that everyone involved agrees upon mm -hmm. <laughs> and having that, those, <laughs> that schedule of due dates, if you will, or deadlines mm -hmm. to make sure that the, the project keeps moving forward and that each party is getting what they need out of the collaboration. Um, and if the, the developers in Dublin, correct? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> what might be really neat is for the students to have a meeting on Dublin time <laughs> to work with the, to work with the developer. And I, I don't know if you can, um, create that, but well, it, would be it, it works out. It actually oh. works out because the, essentially the, the, this developer is doing this project on their own. This is like a, this is a side project for them. Um, and so they do this after work and with the time difference, he will be getting done with work right when we are in the middle of the class. So we've already set up our, our first Skype, but that is, I'm glad you mentioned the production schedule, if you will, because I'm so used to just like having it very loose and, you know, we can shift things, but I did set a time frame for like our first meeting and he seemed to really like schedules. And I think that's a, I think I got to remember that, <laughs> that out there in the real world, those they, people have schedules and they like them. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, and having the, having expectations written out is really important as well in collaborations. Yeah. So what, what, each, whatever each side is expecting of the other, having those written down and agreed upon before you get into it sidesteps a lot of challenges yeah. <laughs> no and that that's a that's a good one too that i should you know what are the deliverables for each i mean i i do call this a faux client because i did kind of preemptively say like look these students this is their very first shot at designing a website i doubt you're going to get anything usable from this so this is just really more of a philanthropic <laughs> thing hmm. for you. And if something did work out of it, great. <laughs> but I, so I do yeah. preface it as that, but I do should, I should try to kind of formalize it more so maybe that they do get something more usable than. No, there's, there's definitely value in experimentation. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I wish you luck with that project. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think just like in the past, I've like said, this is a faux project, you know, and I think yeah. by just starting it off by saying that, I think you're setting up the expectation that it's not real. And I'm just, you know, thinking, you know, like that, I, the power of language, <laughs> you know, words mean, words mean something. <laughs> yeah. And so maybe I should just, you know, remove that word foe from the vocabulary and just say in this real project, there you know, you go. It, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to do that this semester because why I'm, I've told him it was foe. I haven't told the students yet, so because they don't even know about it yet. Um, so, all right, Neil, I just kind of noticed where we at are at with time. So before I let you go, is there anything that you are working on personally 
or is there something that you would like to share or promote? Yes, actually. Um, cool. It's a new project that, that I've been working on, and it is coming together quite nicely. Um, so I'm starting a resource website that focuses on assistant design and interactive educators and their career paths to tenure. So it'll be a resource to hear about how individuals got into education, reasons behind career choices. So if they moved or when they moved to a certain location, uh, why they picked a university or a certain mm -hmm. college, um, if they shifted jobs, what were the what were the factors surrounding that? Um, and then how they crafted value behind their scholarship, uh, because in our in the design field, there may or may not be a legacy of work to draw from mm -hmm. to for your scholarship. Uh, and then any advice they would like to give to those starting their career in design education. So I'm really excited about it. Um, it is tellittoneal.com. And the website and the calls for interviews will be coming out probably in the next month or two. All right. Well, I, I, that's going to be a tremendous resource, and I wish I would have had it before the fact that I'm submitting my tenure application packet this fall. <laughs> but <laughs> so no real time to course correct from all the good stuff that will come out of that. But I look forward to it. All right. That's all we have time for today on episode 55 of Design EDU Today. I want to thank today's guest, Neil Ward, for being so generous with his time. I also want to thank the audience for listening, and I want to thank the Design EDU Today hosting sponsor, DigitalOcean, and the CDN sponsor, Fastly, for making the hosting and distribution of these podcasts possible. I also want to thank the AIGA, and the AIGA Design Educators community for their generous support of my research that led to this podcast series. If you like this podcast, consider leaving a review for it in the iTunes store and share it with your colleagues and friends. To discover more about the Design EDU Today podcast and read the session notes and transcripts, visit the show website at designedu.today. To keep up with new show releases and updates about the podcast, visit the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash designedu today or subscribe to this podcast through the iTunes and Google Play Store. Finally, if you would like to suggest topics for future episodes or give feedback to help improve this show, contact me through the show's email address at hello at designedu.today. Once again, thank you for listening to Design EDU Today.